fire. Is this is this on there? Hello? Can you hear me? Uh, uh, okay. Okay. Let's pray. <laughs> Technology. Lord, thank you for this glorious day. And we do wait in preparation for you. May our hearts be ready. May we be able to unclutter, God, the, the lists and and agendas and items we have, the worries of our lives that just consume us, that we forget the big picture and just the reality that you will be coming. May we be a church that's ready for you and to ready to host you, to ready the people and the community and the land with the great commission and the great commandment to love and to share the good news and make disciples of every nation. And so, God, at this time, would you speak by the power of your Holy Spirit your words. May you strike our hearts deep, and may these words be more than wisdom of man, but may these be straight from your heart to us this morning. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you're doing in this land. And in the midst of all the darkness and chaos, thank you for being the light that will prevail as our hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we mentioned in the beginning of worship service, um, Black Friday doesn't kick off Christmas season nor Christmas trees. It's uh, Advent. Uh, this past week on Friday, we were able to drop off Michelle. Youth group kids hung out, and they had a great time. So Kathy and I were thinking, what are we going to do to kill time? So we did the worst thing we could ever do. We went to Brea Mall. <laughs> and we went to Brea Mall. We never made it inside Brea Mall. Literally, we drove around, and I said, what am I doing here? What is the meaning of life? And so we, we headed on out, and we said we're going home, back to Cyprus. And I realized, you know, the sales are good, but they're not, I think, being at comfort of our home, Kathy and I were just introverts in that way. We, we realized, boy, this is crazy. And so we watched all the videos on YouTube of all the... Black Friday people rushing in and fistfights in Louisville, Kentucky, and I saw some of you in there. I'm not sure what our church is doing, but no. But just just in case you may not know what Advent is, it's it's not it's not something that's popular. It's not catchy in our modern culture. But Advent is simply remembering that Jesus Christ came as our Messiah, the foretold Messiah, to be the Savior of the world. And on that night in Bethlehem with Joseph and Mary, a baby was born in a manger. And we're so thrilled that this baby will come to redeem the world. But Advent comes from Adventus, which is a Latin word for preparation, the coming. That Jesus, who went up, is going to come again. And this is a big part of the Christianity that as pastors we don't talk about enough. Jesus is coming again. And that's not a myth. That's not just an idea. That's a truth that Jesus said over and over again. In the Apostles' Creed, what is a key part that we say? He died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven, and from thence he will come to judge the quick and the dead. He's coming back again. 
And in our Lord's Supper, once a month, every time we gather together, we say before we take that bread. And in this way, for whatever you take this bread and drink this cup, we remember the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and his death and his coming back. That's from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, where Paul writes, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Some of you had guests at home this Thanksgiving, did you not? And did you prepare your house as best as you can? Remember, it's that one time of the year that you actually vacuum thoroughly. You know, sometimes you're just kicking the dirt under the rug. You're like, you're like, but oh, they're really coming, so we got to really vacuum. And so that's the idea of Advent, that we're not just covering up, but we have to really be ready that Jesus is coming again. And there's a hymn that has this double meaning. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Did you hear the double meaning in that? We're singing that today, 2,000 years after Jesus was born. The double meaning is Jesus came to ransom captive Israel, but he's coming to ransom us and take us back with him are you ready this is advent see we don't just go to a religion we believe whether you believe the sun rises again or not it doesn't matter what you believe the sun rises on the east every day does it not and so whether what we believe jesus or not he's gonna come just like the rising of the sun and the challenge to the church and to the world is are you ready? Um, there are a lot of disagreements about the end times and Jesus coming. Uh, some of you maybe grew up in Baptist church, Presbyterian, Adventist church. There's so many fighting. But I think this is the biggest point. It's not how he will come as much as that he will come. Just as an example, how many of you cry because you get bored watching those videos and you self-indulge in this in this? in the sin of watching those YouTube videos of military people coming home from reunions, and you torture yourself watching it. I do. <laughs> it just warms your heart, you know, girls in our school. And then, class, we have a special guest. And then her father walks in, who she hasn't seen for like eight months, and the girl's face just cries, you know, that, and it just makes you cry. And you're like, oh, I can't watch this anymore. And then you click the next one. And then today, welcome to Dallas Cowboys Stadium and Halftime Show, special guest. And then you see the family, and then their father or mother comes home from the military, and they're running out, and the whole stadium cries. Do you think at that moment, what's more important? Do they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad, Dad, you're here. Did you come by plane or did you come by boat? Because it's really important to me. Because little Joey says, you're going to come by boat. I thought you're coming by plane, and I'm not going to hug you until we find out. What's most important? That Jesus is coming, not how he's coming. And the question is, are you ready? If God appears to us anytime. Are you ready? So this is Advent saying, get ready. He's coming back. So Acts chapter 1, verse 11, one of my favorite stories where Jesus rises and ascends to heaven. And the disciples are going like this. And they're just standing there. 
Thank God, God sent two angels, and this is what they said. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And I would add, with drool coming down from your mouth. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let me read that one more time. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. Say come back. In the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so Luke 21, it points to that Jesus is saying, there's going to be some days, but I'm going to come back. Um, I love this. Jesus addresses in today's text two problems we have. He says, there's two things I I need you to know to the church in the first century and today. The first issue is, don't obsess with when that date will come. There's been many Christians who are like, on October 20th, 2018, Jesus will come back. So they sell their Pokemon cards. They sell their yacht. You know, they sell their house. People have done this throughout history. And Jesus says this, don't obsess. He says, verse 7, they ask him, teacher, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, verse 8, Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. In Matthew 26, I believe, he says, for the time and the place, the Son of Man doesn't even know. So our job in Advent is not to predict when he's going to come, but it's, are you ready should he come? So that's the first concern. But second, he says this. Now, knowing that you don't know when the time is coming, don't be complacent. Can you turn to a neighbor and say, don't be complacent? I love this pseudo-Baptist church. But, but <laughs> complacent means don't get lazy, don't get tired, don't get, put your guards down. Verse 36, he says, be always on the watch. When? Always. What? On the watch. And pray that you may be able to escape. And he gives this sign, a fig tree. And the fig tree blossoms, you know that's going to bear fruit. Uh, this past Thanksgiving, we caught a Thanksgiving butterfly cocoon. It was this uh, yellow swallowtail caterpillar. It's a really gross-looking caterpillar. But we caught it, and we put it in a kimchi jar. Koreans had this black, big glass kimchi jar. It's a super jar. We put our leaves in it. And it cocooned within two days. It's really cool. And... And, um, you know, just seeing this, uh, you know, butterfly getting ready to hatch, we don't know when it's going to hatch. We don't know anything about it, but we're, we're vigilant. We're watching it. And we realize, wow, this is a little metaphor. You know, when it's going to happen, we don't know, but we're ready. Because if we don't open that kimchi jar, that butterfly dead. So we got to open it and be ready. But Jesus is saying, don't be complacent. Don't get too comfortable. This world is not your home. If I'm driving to New Jersey with my family, we stop by the Holiday Inn for a hotel, and we say, this is nice. And I start going to Ikea to buy furniture for my motel room. That's just not wise. Friends, in Jesus Christ, where's your home? Where the Lord is. This world is not your home. We're just a passing through My home is somewhere way beyond the blue. That's a hymn. Because where the Lord is, is our home. So Jesus is saying, 
Don't be obsessed about the timing, but also don't be lazy. So he goes on in Luke 21. And here's a confusion that I just want to un- just declutter here as we think about the end times. In Luke 21, there's a confusion because Jesus is talking about two events in this section that Nathan read really well. One is the destruction of the Jewish temple in 70 AD by the Romans. Basically, the Jewish people revolted against the Roman Empire. They fought back. They claimed Jerusalem. And then Emperor Vespasian came in and annihilated them and killed thousands of them. And to put it in their side, he threw torches inside the temple. To the Jews, do you know what that meant? It was like the end of the world for them. Because this is where God dwelled. It was a physical location of God's presence. And to kill and destroy the temple was to almost annihilate, destroy God. So 70 AD, Jesus predicts this beautiful temple that you guys claim about. Not every single stone will be overturned. But Jesus is also talking, and you can see it in verse 25. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That is the end times. Now, I'm not here to preach like apocalyptic alone, like, it's going to end, give us, you know, sell your houses. But we're saying, hey, the signs always seem to make us wonder, God, how long? How long? And so today, I want to talk about what keeps us in that is this word called hope. Can you say hope? And this Advent is our hope. So the big deal about Advent is that whenever we see a world this crazy, it points us to hope. So I Google, I, I'm a news junkie. Anybody? News junkie? You watch the news all the day? I, I, I got to confess, I'm a news junkie. Yahoo, CNN, Fox, Al Jazeera. I read, I read everything. And I just, I have no life. So anyway, we read, we read this. And so these are the headlines in the past week. Just topics. Tragic mass shootings, storms, flooding, racism, terrorism, war, hate, genocide, HIV, Alzheimer's, diabetes, refugees fleeing for their lives, bankruptcies, unemployment. Headline, neglect for God over for materialism, marriages falling apart, fears. Wow. And the list goes on. This is the world we live in. And so when you see this kind of like bad news, what does it make you do? I hope it doesn't make you feel hopeless. I hope it makes you want more hope, a relief, rescue, repentance, renewal. Um, do you notice how I, I, I'm willing to bet a dollar, that's how much I bet, that none of you woke up this morning and said, I pray God for my plumber. I love my plumber. The plumbers are what I really want for Christmas. Any of you? Did any of you? Any? Okay. Notice you don't pray for plumbers. Did any of you say, gosh, God, I thank you for more than anything else, my dentist. My dentist. But what happens that we pray for them and want them? When your pipers, your house is flooded, 
And what do you pray for? Go get a plumber now! And when the plumber drives up, you're like, Savior. You know, they, some of you wake up this past week, and someone in our church did, with this shooting pain from their tooth as a nerve is exposed, and you need a root canal. What do you crave for at that moment? Hey, honey, you want to go to Aruba? Get out of my face. Hey, honey, you want to go to, uh, you want to, go to Irvine Spectrum, go watch a movie and catch dinner? I need a dentist now. <laughs> you know, get away from me. So what makes you long for these things? It's the pain, the misery. And what Jesus is saying here in Luke 21 is when you see all these bad things happening, it's a sign that I want you to long for something beyond this world. And it's a hope in a Savior who is going to come back. Amen? So when we see bad news... They're not meant to despair us because we're people of God who have a God that's bigger than this world. But it reminds us you were meant for something more. And that gives us Advent hope. So Advent is this expectancy that the world is susceptible to chaos, but Jesus will restore it. Um, I love this definition of heaven. Heaven is not a place, but heaven is the beginning and the the presence of God, and everything that's meant to be will be restored. Um, Tim Keller, I read this quote a few years ago, but I'll read it again. The idea of heaven, some of you are thinking like playing harps with wings flying around, you know, without, yeah, anyway. This idea of heaven can be a consolation for suffering. The idea of heaven can be a consolation for suffering, a compensation for the life we have lost, but... Resurrection is not just consolation. It is restoration. Oh, I love that. It's not consolation, but it's restoration. We get it all back. The love, the loved ones, the goods, the beauties of this life. But to new, unimaginable degrees of glory and joy and strength. It is a reversal of the seeming irreversibility of loss. Should children be shot in Sandy Hook? Is that the way the world was meant to be? But when we see heaven, we see a restoration of the world where that does not exist. Should Alzheimer's rob loved ones from their families? No. But in Christ, we see a restoration of the way we were designed to be before sin entered. So Advent is this beginning of the joyous entry into what the world was meant to be. So Jesus says in verse 27, 28 of today's text, at that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. The beginning of heaven. Is that good news? See, I know in our congregation there's a lot of pain. I know in your lives there's a lot of unknowns, There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of whys. There's a lot of doubts. What's going on? And Advent is a time that God is saying to me and you and us, I love you. That's not beyond my reach. There will be a time when the reversal of all that will happen in Jesus Christ. He is our hope. So these Christmas lights all point to Jesus is coming again hope. Man, I love hope. So 
Uh, just a few practical things. So how do we live in that hope? Jesus goes on, and he tells us in 21 two things, and I'll just share it with you. What does he say? Live carefully. How? Teenage, youth group kids, live how? How? Amen. If you're over 25 years old, how? If you're Nathan Flores, how? All right. Why did I heard a vo- girl's name voice in that too, other than Nathan. I heard Nathan and another. There's two Nathan. So there's this idea. Jesus says, with this end coming, live carefully. How? Avoid complacency through drunkenness, carousing, and worldly concerns. You see, God loves you too much. We think, oh, I don't want to get drunk because I'm a bad person and God will hate me. No, he loves you. So what he's saying is that dulls your senses to know that the end is coming. I want you to be sharp. I want you to be careful. I want you to be ready. Do you notice if I started preaching, love yourself, don't help anyone else, make sure you're happy. That's all that matters. I want you to do whatever is best for you. And if someone messes with you, you you hurt them. You feel uncomfortable, don't you? You feel really weird right now. You're like, something doesn't vibe. Because you know that's not of the Lord. What does living carefully mean? It is not being self-centered. It is being God-centered. It is being other-focused. It is living prepared for a world to come. Angel tree is a sign that we are not about us. We are about serving the Lord through marginalized and hurt. God gave us life and the ability to choose. Living carefully is how am I living my life? That is a blessing and glorifying thing to God and others. See, you felt uncomfortable, but here's the hypocrisy. You don't like hearing it, but we don't mind living it. And Advent is a time to say, would you repent of your self-centeredness and focus back on the Christ who's coming and the mission he has for you to live in a way that glorifies him? Two, he says, be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape. Be ready and pray. Everyone will have to give an account to Jesus Christ when he returns. You know, one day, Michelle, Jamie, and Ethan are going to be left home alone because Michelle's getting to that age where we could go home out and they could do whatever they want in the house, theoretically. But mommy and daddy are going to come home and if the refrigerator's tilted over, glasses shattered, Ethan is like tied up to the wall because, you know... You're going to have to give an account. And that's, I'm exaggerating here. But am I? But I want to ask you guys, you, all, you and I, we all have to give an account of our lives to Jesus Christ. Just let that sink in. You and I, Christian or non-Christian, We have to and we will give an account to Jesus Christ for our lives. What does that make you do and feel? I'm going to go on living with what makes me happy. (laughs) It doesn't. And so Jesus is saying not every single person will have to give an account. 
and be ready to stand before the Son of Man. The point of church life is not merely to be good. It is this. You ready for this? Are you ready to face the Son of Man and be able to live a life that he says to you, Jason Coe, I know you. Really well done, good and faithful servant. With everything he's given you, And if that makes you feel heavy, good. Because this is what it means to be ready for Jesus Christ. And as he looks to you and says, what have you done with your life? Well, I'm pretty good. I'm not perfect, but I'm a good person. What have you done with everything I've given to you? Are you able to stand before the Son of Man? And so this is heavy, but it's also joyful because he is also the very hope. So church, our obedience to Christ is what gives us this hope. So those are the two things in the season of Advent. Live carefully. Live watchfully and be ready for Jesus, for this hope. And let me end with this story. Um, There's a pastor from Texas and he was riding on a plane and he found himself sitting next to a famous theologian and he's itching to talk to him. For pastors, that's like our One Direction, or Britney Spears, or Taylor Swift. Like, <gasps> sitting next to a theologian. Where do I say? So what do you like to do? Anyway, so he was sitting next to this theologian, and struck up a conversation. They, they started talking, and the theologian shared, recently I lost my little boy to death. He caught a violent form of meningitis. He came home with a fever. The doctors looked at him, and said, your son will not live. So the theologian was sharing how for the next few days, he's just sitting by the bedside at the death vigil of his son, just whittling away, and seeing just his son get weaker and weaker and weaker. And one night as his son is cloudy with this disease and brains shutting down and eyes, and he's, the son says, Dad, it's getting dark, isn't it? And, father, and the theologian said, it is. Dad, it's time to go to bed, isn't it? Yes, son, it is. So the little boy picks up the pillow and does his routine to go to bed and sets up his whole room, and he's, and he's ready to go to bed. And the boy says to the father, I'll see you in the morning. And the father says, I'll see you in the morning. That night, the boy never woke up, and he passed away. And at that moment, the, the theologian stopped talking, and he looked out the plane window, with tears streaming down his eyes. And the only words he said was this. Dr. Criswell, the pastor, I can hardly wait till morning. You see, that's his hope. That death is not a goodbye. But we have in this world, as hard as it gets, there is always a morning because Jesus Christ is coming back. He is our hope. So as we prepare for the season of Advent, our hope, by definition, doesn't come from within us. It comes beyond us, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, in this season of Advent, are you ready for him? Are you preparing your hearts for him? Are you seeking to glorify him and say, you are my morning? Let's pray.
Lord God, it's no surprise to you, and it's an understatement to us. Uh, we live in a world with terrorism and fear and uncertainty. We live in a world where we have self-inflicted issues as well as pressing pressures from the outside. And God, we thank you that in Advent, we crave and hunger and realize this all just keeps pointing us back to the hope and joy we have in you. I thank you, God, for those faithful servants who in the midst of trials can smile at the storm with hope and press on with joy because they know that this world is not the end, but it's just the passing through to the restoration that is in you. So, God, we ask that you would help us to cling to Jesus, that every day that we go through Advent, that you are our morning. And even if some of us are in our dawn or in the darkness or even we're smiling on the outside, but here we're crying on the inside, thank you for the reminder that, Jesus, you are the Son of Man who is coming back. May we be found right before you as we give our hearts to you. Hold us and move us to go out and share this Advent hope of Jesus Christ with our neighbors. Thank you, Lord. We close with the prayer that you taught us, as we all say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen.